Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Block Talk Radio. This is Creativity in Play. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Our guest today on Creativity in Play is Itamar Kubovi, the first executive director of Palabalist Dance Theater. Palabalist has performed around the world on stage, in commercials, in the Academy Awards ceremony, in classrooms, and in corporations. Itamar Kubovi has also produced, written, and directed for theater and film, including co-directing the 2002 season finale of The West Wing and writing and directing the short film Upheaval, starring Frances McDormand. Itamar will be part of Americans for the Arts session at the Creativity World Forum in Oklahoma City on November 17th. Itamar Kubovi, welcome. Thanks so much, Steve. Thanks, Mary Alice. Great to have you here. You're welcome. Well, Glad to have you here. As we said in the introduction, you're the first executive director of an organization that's almost 40 years old, and you, you've been there about six years. So, so what has that meant for you personally to come into that situation, and what has it meant for the organization itself to have such a person, such a role? You know, I think for me personally, uh, Palabalus had been when I joined now almost seven years ago, I guess seven years in January. Um, it had always been a company that I admired enormously. It was a part of my <clears throat> college life and a part of my sort of formative artistic uh, identity. Um, and when a friend asked me whether or not I'd be interested in uh, in in looking at the position of being the company's first executive director, I was tremendously intrigued, mostly because I had found professionally prior to my taking this position, my career had taken me in different directions, but often and most specifically in Germany, uh, to situations where a collective was essentially uh, running the show and I had learned in my experience in Germany uh, running a theater there um, how radical democracy does and does not work and how groups can and cannot be leveraged to achieve more effective results. And it was an enormous opportunity back in the States to try to uh, apply some of what I had learned and see whether indeed I could uh, be of some help to an organization that was at the top of its game, but because of the way it was run by its founders um, exclusively, um, who were both making all of the art and running all of the business, uh, it just seemed like there needed to be one person who was slightly more distanced from the art. And I say slightly because I spend at least half of my time engaged in sort of artistic discussions in the studio. Um, but it seemed important for there to be another person that could have a slightly uh, larger overview of, of where the company was going. And I think, to sort of just touch on the last point of your question, that, 
you know, the growth we've experienced over the last years um, and the opportunities that we've had, uh, you know, we're a little more than double the size that we were uh, when I joined in terms of a nonprofit operating budget. And, um, and we now employ probably three times as many artists on an ongoing basis as we did at that time uh, and are making a lot of very exciting work. So I, I, I'd like to believe that it was a good thing, um, but that will remain to be seen. Well, in a more um, following up on that, I wonder about collaborative creativity and how you see that working in, within Palabolas, both in terms of creating new pieces um, with all that great physicality and miming and adventurous play, and um, also within the organization. How does that collaborative creativity work? <clears throat> very interesting, you know, questions, I think, and, and there are a couple of them inside your question or your, your, your uh, you know, there are a couple of, of different ways to answer this. I think the process that is what we call the Palabolas method really is a process of group collaborative creativity, and it involves a period of intense play and brainstorming. It involves a period of editing and selection, and it involves a period of assembly and refinement. And I think that that probably parallels a lot of creative processes in many fields. So I don't think that in and of itself makes us unique. That said, I think the commitment that we demand of a group before entering a work situation is one where, you know, the only real rules generally don't have a theme or a topic or one director with a script or an idea, but rather a commitment, a social contract for a group of people to stay in a room for a number of hours a day, for a number of days, pre-decided, and by the end of that agreed upon time to emerge with a work that can be shown and shared with audiences. And by creating those essentially simple but very rigid parameters of time and of absolute commitment, we find that we're able to have a different level of trust that allows the group to all achieve a stake in what they make. And that a lot of the psychological dynamics of leadership and followership and of the normal sort of group qualities end up having a whole journey in and of themselves during a creative process that really allows the best ideas in the room to win rather than who it is that came up with those ideas. Um, so I think that those are the sort of basic qualities that describe how we work creatively in the studio. And since historically for 30 some odd years, it was the exact same people doing the work in the studio and doing the work that, you know, was being done on the business side to manage and organize the company. The same approach was essentially imported into the office setting. And the interesting piece of all of this is that it turned out to be 
extraordinarily powerful business idea as well as a method for creating art. And that, recognizing that has been a fascinating and real kind of eureka moment in uh, in my experience, I think, and in the whole company's move to its next stage of institutional life. Well, how does that look in terms of the institution? Can you give an example of how that looks? Absolutely. I mean, we generally operate on a sort of uh, sense that there are a number of people who vote, and the vote is not a formal vote always, but a kind of polled vote that often happens via email in important situations happens through essentially getting rid of all technology and sitting in a room together. Um, But we're able through a process of a quick kind of, again, brainstorm, selection of options, um, uh, arrangement of preferences, and then distribution of execution responsibilities to really have the same kind of action and agency and executive power that we might find uh, artistically in the studio. So it's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of copying groups. As my friend Clay Shirky said, you know, the reply all button was the first definition and the simplest definition of group uh, online. And it's true. As soon as you hit reply all to an email, you're addressing a group of people who are members in a group suddenly. And these group will exist as long as it needs to, to solve the problem, at which point it disbands. And I think we think of all of our activity as the interaction, similar interaction on any number of issues of groups that form and disband and form and disband and very often have identical membership and sometimes the membership varies very slightly depending on the needs of the problem. Thank you. Sort of picking up on that idea about um, how, how you incorporate the creative process in your own work, both in the organization and the, the studio, and then how do you transfer that to other people and help other people think about their lives and their creativity. Uh, when I have the privilege to stop by your studio a couple times now and just watch and observe and listen particularly um, to your performers practicing and rehearsing something, I, I was just struck and I have shared this several times since by comments like, should I kick you in the chest and have you thrown that chair yet? Okay, we probably should. As everyday conversations for Palopolis and that that it's an environment where such conversations are normal and part of, I think, very much the creative process you just got done describing. And I know that you do do work with corporations and other kinds of organizations. I'm just wondering if you can help explain how you take that environment that you guys live every day and help other people begin to make that a part of their reality as individuals and and environments for creativity and organizations? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there, 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 there are a couple of points that probably will help to make an answer to that question uh, comprehensible. Um, the first is that making something, 
whether you're making art or writing a report or uh, creating a product, is a really a form of problem solving. And you need to define your problem and you need to figure out what the most effective solution you can come up with within the resources that you have. And people often relegate art to some special status where it operates on some mystical process of inspiration. And we're really opposed to that idea of art making because we don't really think of it as a special category at all. We just think of it as an application of problem solving to a particular goal. And that goal might be amusement or entertainment or diversion or inspiration or contemplation. But it really is just articulating a problem and figuring out its solution, which, of course, is much easier said than done when you've articulated an interesting problem and when you come up with uh, an elegant solution. But we realized that once we think about what we do as problem solving, it suddenly becomes interesting to think about whether or not problem solving can be addressed in any other discipline the same way that we address it in the studio. And we've looked for as many possible opportunities over the last few years to try this out. We've been teaching uh, in the leadership uh, area of Wharton Business School, as well as a number of other business schools, in attempting to sort of teach the leaders and future business people about groups and how they work. And eventually realized that people spend an enormous amount of time trying to get things done in groups in our time in history. And that is a professionally they do that. They do it. You do it in your family. You do it with your peers. You do it whenever you play a sport or a game. And that the same kinds of issues relating to getting stuck, running out of ideas, lacking inspiration, feeling demoralized, and how then to get unstuck, to reassign leadership and followership, these questions applied uh, surprisingly and uh, aptly to a very wide range of disciplines. And part of our mission is to bring this approach to as many areas of human activity in groups as possible. And in addition to sort of the leadership training in business schools, we've also prepared executives within corporations. We've done this at a very large bank with Wachovia. We recently did it and have actually are forming a partnership with the uh, innovation practice uh, at Deloitte Consulting. And we had an opportunity to spend a day with uh, a number of executives from Avon from all over the world uh, and looking at uh, sort of thinking in a new way about the issues that they have as a group and, as, and, and a community. And it was an extremely exciting opportunity to sort of use essentially the model of physical movement as something which these people spend very little time doing together, certainly in a professional context, but to use that strange activity that no one had any experience with to model and to explore 
the kinds of issues and dynamics and problem-solving challenges that the same group might encounter uh, in moving their company forward. And by taking it out of the realm of the specific issues first and taking it to a place that's completely foreign, we call it going to Tibet in three hours, we're able to um, just get people to think differently about who they're sitting across the table from, what those people are capable of, and what role those people might play. And again, the roles people play are incredibly important to the healthy functioning of a group. For example, we name a certain group member that is crucial to every group as sort of the recognizer. And we say that the people, you know, that in order for a good idea to survive, it's not just important that someone have that idea, but it's equally important that someone else in the group recognize that it's a good idea. And that role of the person who can see that an idea is a good idea and give it their support is a phenomenally important link in the successful survival of, of good ideas in any kind of problem-solving process. So these are so that's just a tiny example of the kind of kind of thing that you discover becomes very important and that is easy to translate into almost any group trying to do anything that you want to adopt an attitude of sort of supportive recognition for ideas that you think have potential. Well, um, Itamar, what are uh, some of the threads that connect your past creative play and theater and other ventures with your work with Palabolus in dance and um, some of the extensions through dance that are happening for the company? And how does that those how do those threads reflect so that you to let other people know how to make those same kind of connections or help them do that? Well, I mean, to the extent that I understand, and I hope I understand what you're asking. I mean, I think that 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 um, you know, I, I tend to see the thread that excites me about the work that I've done related to showing people that as a group they're capable of achieving things that are impossible to achieve as individuals. doesn't mean that individuals don't have enormous capacity and that certain kinds of tasks can be handled equally well and problems equally solved by individuals, but harnessing the power of the group when it's done powerfully and correctly um, can just yield results that are far, far greater than the sum of the individual parts that comprise that group. And recognizing that is really at the core of collective art making, period. So anytime you see a play and you're moved and everyone in that room is blown away by a story, that story doesn't exist. That story is just a shared imaginative experience that is conjured by the particular actions of a group in a large theater. And yet we all know that rare occasion of going to the theater and seeing something that blows you away, you never forget it. There's nothing else like it. And it is only a group that can experience something in that way. Recognizing what that nature is of those group sort of 
insights and excitements and uh, sort of enlightenments, if you will. And uh, looking back at my life, those have been the greatest periods of, or the greatest moments of accomplishment, belonging, participation, enhancement, and giving, really. And I think whether you're making dances or whether you're making plays or movies or whether, frankly, you're developing a new product or whether you are helping people that are young people at risk in communities where they haven't gotten advantages, I can't really think of a situation in which this experience of a collective power that is greater than any of the individuals or the sum of those individuals can't be demonstrated. And it has become a mission of Palabolus and certainly of my of, of, of my own mission within it uh, as its executive director to um, to spread that word and inspire people. You know, when people come to our shows, they don't just say, wow, that was cool, or wow, we like that. They have some sort of a experience of society, experience of a community, experience of a group in which is... You know, you feel like, look, they're just normal people that have worked incredibly hard for a long time together to achieve this kind of superhuman status. But the movement is vernacular. It's not extremely, you know, high art in that sense. It's accessible. People are walking and jumping and falling and crawling on each other and hanging on to each other. They're doing things that we've all done. They're not doing something that is a very rarefied uh, form although it's extraordinarily difficult to do, it feels somehow like normal raised to the level of amazing. And what you see when people leave our show, whether they're, you know, kids of five years old or old people of 85 years old, there's a kind of exuberant levity that they leave with, a sense of, oh, I've got to go do something. I've got to go run, work out, jump more, celebrate more, have more fun, uh, make something. And it's that inspiration, that feeling that people leave our shows wanting to go do something. That is the essence. That is the sort of, you know, the, the elixir of Palopolis. And it is that which we are currently as an institution trying to bottle and spread to as much of the world as we possibly can. And frankly, it is our purpose as a nonprofit organization in this country to bring to as many people the confidence and the daring and the willingness to try something they've never done before and prove to themselves that they're capable of doing things they never, ever thought they could do. I witnessed that this summer following your performance on the Hartford um, at the Riverfront recapture with a six-year-old following your performance, walking up the plaza, doing Palopolis moves, which by extension, of course, engaged the adults standing around her. And, um, you know, what you were just describing also reminds me a lot of how extraordinary one of your new pieces is right now um, in the collaboration you did with the graphic artist Art Spiegelman and um, with, in which your dancers dance with animation that he drew that is moving while they're moving and incredibly complex by the fact that the animation is coming through projectors and, of course, is at different distances. Um, but I presume that that piece that exists is, a, is a, one of the many examples of 
Palabra was pushing itself to constantly do new things and challenge itself. And, you know, there you find yourself um, creating with somebody who normally might uh, produce two-dimensional on paper only. And now you've, you've both done something new. And how, how did that come to be? And is, is it an example of this ongoing constant reinvention of yourselves? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think one of the things we've started over the last few years, and uh, it's really now, I guess, four years old or so, uh, has been something we call the International Collaborators Project, which is a search for people who we're interested in getting into the studio with, and not into the studio with as, you know, a great musician or a great artist that can make some nice backdrops for us or an origami expert or a puppet master, all of whom are people we're working with. But rather what we're interested in is coming to an Art Spiegelman and saying to him, you're a cartoonist, you're a comics guy, but we believe there's something that we've learned about choreography from comics and something that could be really exciting to see where those two things merge. And what we're proposing here is not for you to come and draw some cartoons that would serve as backdrops for our dance, but rather what happens if you bring a group of dancers and choreographers together with a cartoonist and some animators, and you say, how can you make something that really integrates the core of what you both do and questions where those forms bump up against each other so that everyone in the room becomes a creator. And in fact, the piece is not build, you know, art by Art Spiegelman, dance by Palabolus, but rather created by the whole group. And um, it's back just... Back to your earlier point, really. Excuse me? Back to your earlier point on the collaborative creativity. Exactly, exactly. We're great believers in redundancy. We believe that redundancy is the key to success. In other words, that having six people with the same job title is uh, is the best chance you have at getting something done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I and, say and this a little tongue-in-cheek. I say it a little tongue-in-cheek, but in a way, unless everyone's got the same amount of skin in the game, it's going to be very hard to make everyone care equally. Yeah, and I, and this piece, I think, becomes such an example of, of that. Absolutely. I mean, we rehearsed it largely during the winter, and it was hilarious because, you know, art is uh, smokes quite an awful lot and uh, uh, and is not particularly adept at driving his Volvo in the back snowy woods of Connecticut, um, but spent. 40 or 50 days with us. I mean, truly just has been, was, was the most generous soul and to the very end, just uh, working and revising and doing and drawing. And, you know, he, he essentially uh, generated, you know, an incredible amount of material and story and imagination. So the more, it really is one of those things where the more you put in, the more, the more you get out. And, uh, this year we're doing a couple of projects with uh, with with interesting collaborators as well. We're bringing uh, over a, a, a Butoh master from Japan.
Pan, who is going to be working with us for a number of weeks. Uh, fascinating, fascinating guy. And um, and we're also doing a project with the uh, music band and filmmakers OK Go, who you may have run into on the Internet. They uh, create these amazingly constructed uh videos, most of which go viral in an insane way, um, that are essentially videos that accompany the songs they play and write, um, but are really artworks in and of themselves, which they make on their own. You may have noticed this thing a few years ago that they did, which was a treadmill video where there were a bunch of treadmills on the screen that they had gotten to run at different speeds and to carry them across the screen choreographically in quite an amazing way. Anyway, I recommend if you don't know them that you look them up, but we're going to be making a work that's going to exist both live and on video and release them together. So I think that's going to be a fascinating project, both in terms of how the stuff is distributed, but also in terms of a work that exists sort of in two spaces at once. Um, so there's just a, a, a lot of that, and we're going next week into a uh, – into our first rehearsals for a project we're doing with the robotics lab at uh, MIT. And we are creating a piece for uh, a dancer and three flying robots, um, which uh, we're going to premiere this year as well. So again, our interest is not in, you know, just having the robots be robots, but in sort of understanding really where the interaction and the encounter and how we can redefine a sense of group or a sense of a dance company that includes filmmakers and animators and illustrators and robots and, you know, and, and doesn't look at that as somehow a violation of what it is that we do, but a realization of it. Well, Hildemar, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Hildemar. It's been a pleasure. Hildemar will be at the Creativity World Forum in Oklahoma City on November 17th, and you can catch Palabolus on October 9th in California if you're listening from there. And you can listen to this show again and find more information about our guests and coming shows at creativityinplay.com. Creativity in Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dalbert. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Thank you for joining us. Joining us. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.